Hello, friend. Welcome to the Happy Family Club. We're delighted to have you join us. Our mission is to help you have a happier, stronger family. We do that by bringing you the world's greatest experts in family, marriage, parenting, and relationships. We interview them to discover their secrets, their strategies, their techniques, and bring them to you so that you can cherry pick exactly what you need right now to have more success and more joy in your family. And if you enjoy this interview, we encourage you to share it with your friends and your family and come on to the happyfamilyclub.com and see if you can find more information that's going to help you and your family be happier. Again, thanks so much for joining us. Enjoy the interview. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Happy Family Club podcast. We're delighted to have you here today. And today we're going to talk about a topic that Marge and I have been extremely like underscore exclamation point passionate about for 28, almost 30 years now. <laughs> and in working with all of our 11 children, it is just we have found an extreme amount of joy in this particular topic. And so we're going to dive into it deep with our expert guest, Ashley Wiggers. So thank you so much for being here today. <laughs> yes, thank you for having me. We yeah. sure appreciate you being here with us and taking that time. Do you want to give her a formal yeah, introduction? Sure. Ashley is amazing. She grew up in the homeschooling movement and so grew up as being homeschooled, which is unique for, uh, yeah, nowadays. Yeah. But she was taught by her late mother, Debbie Strayers, who is, was an educator and speaker and author of a lot of different homeschooling materials. And it was through her mom's encouragement and love that Ashley really learned to love and value homeschooling. Yeah. So um, currently, Ashley is the co-executive editor of Homeschooling Today magazine, which I have gone through and is so beautifully, so well done. Yeah. You're amazing. It's gorgeous work. It's, it's really beautiful good. Work. And also public relations director of Geography Matters, which has been is really neat resource for so many homeschooling families and profiles of history series. The author of that. How many are in that series now, Ashley? Because I I think I saw two or three. I have three of them. Mm -hmm. Three of them. Three of wow. Them. Okay. We yes. need it. Sadly, we're not. Until we started researching, we weren't familiar with that. So like we have we'll to repent it, and yeah. get it and <laughs> dive in. We love love love. You know, that kind of stuff. So history is awesome. And Ashley lives in Florida, Tampa area, I guess. And um, with her father and her husband and three children. And right. we're just super excited to, to talk with you about all these wonderful things you've been working on. Yeah. Well, thank you. It's really an honor to be here with you guys and get to talk about something that I am so passionate about encouraging other families with and helping them realize that um, they can do it. You know, yes. that's kind of my husband and I actually were both homeschooled. And so we like to say that we're living proof that you can do this and it's going to be OK, because I yeah. think there are some days where you feel like maybe everything is not going to turn out the way you thought. Right. it would. <laughs> but you all never had days like that, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. So I, I like to tell people, you know, sometimes people say, well, I just don't know that I'm smart enough or can figure it out like homeschooling. And, and I'm like, well, look at me like, wow, if I could figure this out, seriously. I mean, I'm the poster child of the dumbest dad in the world who can homeschool. So there you go. Um, a lot of fun. So I'm, I'm interested. I want to hear some of your backstory a little bit because uh, I remember, um, I mean, a couple of different things. When I first met Margie, I had, homeschooling was the furthest thing from my mind. In fact, I had met some, I had known some people in high school and the, the family was super dysfunctional. I, and I say that in a loving way. I'm not being rude at all there, but they had a lot of struggles and they homeschooled. And that was my, that was like, that was my paradigm. I was like, oh, if you homeschool, like you are a super dysfunctional family. And it was like the pot calling, calling the kettle black because I came from a super dysfunctional family. But then it's a different story. Um, and when we met, Margie's like, hey, uh, you know, I really think we had homeschool. I was like, are you out of your mind? Um, <laughs> And, and and so I evolved through that process, but I was really interested to hear if you have insights. So first of all, your background, but starting with, if you have some insights on why your parents, particularly your mother, decided to do that? Because like we have good friends 
um, in the you know 80s who started homeschooling, and they literally they got threatened with being thrown in jail. They had to move out of state because of the legal ramifications. So, you know, your your mom um, was kind of in that swirl of crazy environment. I just wonder what drove her to be such an advocate for it. Sure. So both of my parents were educators and they never planned on homeschooling. That was not something that they thought, oh, you know, we should homeschool our kids. But when my brother was little and, uh, you know, he turned around school age and my mom being a teacher knew what the classroom was like and she knew what kind of experience he was going to have. And she just looked at this little boy who loved digging in the dirt. He loved playing and being outside, but he hated holding a pencil. And he thought that if he had to write something that he was being punished. (laughs) (laughs) So she, she knew that they would tell him to sit down, to be quiet, you know, no, don't do that. No, don't go there. Um, And that he would lose his love of learning. Mm -hmm. So she just couldn't let that happen. So she brought up homeschooling to my dad and they thought about it and prayed about it and felt like that was the best thing to do for my brother. And I'm so grateful they did because then I come along and I have a learning disability. I have Mm -hmm. a visual perceptual processing disorder, which is just a long way of saying that my eyes and my brain don't work together quite like everyone else's. So for me to be homeschooled and to not be in an environment where there's limits or there's, oh, you know, you're not able to do that. You need to sit over here. (laughs) You know, you're not normal. Um, Then that would have been really devastating, I think, to who I would become. But because my parents, they nurtured a love of learning in both me and my brother. And we learned together as a family. So I still love learning today because of the way that I was taught. And I know that if I had been in another situation, I don't think I would have loved learning. I don't think I would have felt successful as a learner because yes, I do learn differently. It does take me longer, um, you know, with comprehension and, and longer to learn how to read longer to ride a bike. There were just things that came in a different form for me because of the learning difference I have. And because I grew up in this environment and this atmosphere of you're growing at your own rate. Mm. And God made you the way he made you. So you're exactly where you need to be. Mm. That was the message I received all throughout my childhood. And that's really the reason why I am where I am now. That is amazing. I, I want to yeah. dive deeper into some of that and how, yeah. how that showed up in your life. But what a powerful thing it is. And, and this is something we felt so strong about forever is just that each of these children come to us so individual and so unique and taking them and conforming them into a set box. I mean, it is anyway, I, I won't get off on that right now, maybe later, but <laughs> tell us a little bit about, so your process, I mean, you came from a homeschool family and then you married your husband. I can't, Greg, Craig, I, sorry, I just forgot his name. Nope. Oh, Alex, actually. Alex. Greg is your father. Greg's your dad. Oh, yes, that's right. Somewhere. Sorry. <laughs> Alex. Tell Alex, sorry, I just forgot his name. <laughs> that's um, okay. I get my children's name wrong and I tell them it's a sign of love because I'm just. <laughs> uh, so, so you met Alex. So kind of pick us up on the story of what happened between the two of you. And then of course, now you've got children and there was decisions to start homeschooling and you know, what, mm-hmm. what kind of thoughts, feelings and whatnot did you guys go through to kind of get to the point where you're at today? Okay, so we actually met at a homeschool convention. Awesome. <laughs> which. At the time, we were both 18, and so I, even though I was homeschooled, thought I was way cooler than all these other homeschoolers, and that was not my, you know, intention to, like, find a homeschool person to marry, but um, we met at the convention. He was there helping his parents' business, which is Geography Matters, and I was there with my mom. Um, She was speaking and selling her materials, and so I would go over there pretending to look at geography curriculum, and he would come over pretending to look at the, you know, products we had, and um, his parents and my mom could see that there was a spark here, and so they actually, I don't know who invited who, but we ended up going out to dinner together, and what a great way to get to know each other um, with his parents there and my mom, and it was just this beautiful story that emerged. Um, you know, we started to 
to talk on the phone because it was long distance. And so we actually were, we had a long distance relationship uh, for three years before we got married. And, um, you know, it's just God, God is the only one who can write these stories. I mean, really, Um, but (laughs) once we got married, we knew homeschooling was going to be the way that we wanted to educate our children because his experience, um, you know, his mom really enabled him to learn how to think critically Mm -hmm. and she didn't try to fit him into a box and he's very creative. He's very smart. And so she let him do those things that brought him to life, you know, so he would even build, um, Rube Goldberg machines outside, you know, where something hits something and that triggers this and that goes down the slide. And so he would do those kinds of things. He would build forts. He would be outside for long periods of the day because he was learning during that time. And he was uh, really, there were so many things happening for him, you know, cognitively. And we think kids are just playing, but what they're really doing is um, they're being creative. They're using their imagination. They're finding out who they are. There's so much more happening there. And, and I really think that we've lost some of that in this day and age where kids are not encouraged to be outside and to play and to um, really learn and grow in that natural way. We, we try to come along as adults and say, oh, this is how you should grow. This is what you need to do to learn. And really, God has put so much in us already that there's this natural curiosity and this natural bent towards um, learning and growing already. And we can kind of foster that. We can help it. But a lot of times parents, I think, end up stifling it mm-hmm. because they think it should happen in a certain way. Yeah. That's so mm-hmm. profound. And, so and then actually I'm going to make a note cause I want to come back to that. <laughs> um, but it's true. I mean, we, we get stuck in like our paradigm and our perspective and sometimes we don't partner enough with God to say, okay, actually help me see that child and what they need and how I can get out of the way and let them grow. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're big, big proponents of outdoor stuff. I mean, you can see this is our backyard. There's a river back here <laughs> and uh, we just love, yeah, we, we moved out. Yeah. Uh, we moved out for a reason. So awesome. Well, that's an amazing, amazing story. And um, I think that there's a lot of cool lessons in there. So first of all, thank you for being so aware of your children, and having the faith and the courage to pursue that, because that's just, it's amazing. And it's such a crazy, awesome gift for your children. It's really yeah. cool. And for you as a human being too, I mean, the, the rewards are reciprocal, at least I think so when we homeschool. So absolutely. We learn we're homeschooling. God is homeschooling us while we're homeschooling our kids. Right. Oh man. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I I've been taken to task many times, uh, to learn lots of things in this process. So um, not Margie, Margie's like Mary Poppins. She's practically perfect in every way. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> learning as we go <laughs> yeah um so tell us i i, I want to get to like the question we're kind of famous for and that is you know what's a key uh, element or principle you see that creates a happy family so let's talk about that a little bit and and then see where that goes and i'd love to d- dig deeper into homeschool stuff as well so what, what are your thoughts on that question about a happy family well i when i think of a happy family i I really think about doing life together. Mm. You know, you eat together, you you wake up and you talk about the day. We like to sit on the back porch and our kids are little enough now where they'll still snuggle. And so we kind of snuggle our way in the beginning of the day. And I just love that. I love that homeschooling provides us the freedom to wake up slowly, to not be rushed and hurried to start something or to get out the door, to get dressed or you know, you really can't hurry a toddler. I've tried. <laughs> it doesn't work. So I really appreciate the fact that we don't have to do that every morning. I think that creates a lot of hectic, um, you know, chaos for families that do have to do that every day. Mm-hmm. And so I'm grateful for that. And I think doing life together means, you know, for us, 
with Homeschooling Incorporated, it's also learning together as a family. And I, I get the joy of being able to help my son love learning. Mm-hmm. It's not a job to me to have to do. It's something I get to do. And that's really, that's our big mission with what we do um, with homeschooling today. And what my mom passed on to me is this whole idea that this is a gift. Time is precious. And we really learned that when, um, when I was 27, she passed away unexpectedly. Mm -hmm. And so the time that we got to spend together in my childhood is so precious to me. And, you know, she could have made it about academics. She could have made it about, hey, we've got to get all these things done and we're just going to check this stuff off the list and then you can go do what you want. But it was never like that. It was, it was an opportunity to learn together as a family. So we did the experiments and the messy things, not every day, but when we could, we read outside, we went to the park. Learning was an adventure and something that I look back on with such fondness. And so I'm trying to help families regain that so that they're not stressed out and they're not trying to fit everything in and do all the extracurriculars because we think that's impressive and we want our kids to be set up for success. So we think, well, you've got to do the language lessons and the music classes and all these things that we get so busy then we miss the moments that are really these beautiful, natural family moments that God made us for. And when you slow down enough to enjoy those times with your kids, you can really see the benefit of them. Wow. I love that. I just want to shout amen and <laughs> hallelujah. Like that, so profound what you're talking about here. It's, um, you know, it's a radical idea what you're suggesting. That is, is that, you know, families were created. And that mom and dad have this opportunity to have huge impact in the child's life. And the children actually want to have influence and connection with mom and dad and spend time with them. And that the more time together, the more we can foster those great relationships and strengthen each other. That's crazy, Ashley. I don't like, wow, what a radical you are. (laughs) (laughs) Right? We love it. I (laughs) know. Today, it seems like you can't you can't do this yourself. Like they keep trying to take away our confidence in our ability to raise our own children and to educate them. But the truth is you don't need an educational background to homeschool. You don't need X, Y, and Z. You know, you're the expert on your child because no one loves them more than you do. And no one will be more invested in their future than you are. And did you know that we actually absorb information better when we have a good connection with the person who's teaching us? Yeah. So what, what better person then to teach than a mom or a dad who loves them unconditionally? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the, the emotional position that you hold with another person is so impactful on what you learn. And your 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 attitude toward learning. You used a phrase a couple of times, love of learning. Mm-hmm. And I'd like you to talk a little bit more about that if you can, because um actually, yeah, I do want to talk about that. And I also want to talk about this idea about you know a key to ha- family happiness is together time. Um mm-hmm. I think that there um man, that is such a lost element of our society. It's like, how soon can we get them out of the house and into somebody else's world? And then you know, we we think that um, we can build relationships. We know a family right now, mom works, dad works, they all go to school. The mom and dad are both going back to school to get different degrees. And the teenage children are like, uh, we never see mom and dad. And I'm thinking, how are you developing relationships with each other in that environment? You're not, you can't. Right. Anyway, so let's let's first go to love of learning because I want to dive deep into that. And then I want to talk about the relationship factor. Um, Sure. So so in order to have a love of learning, I think you have to see education completely differently than Mm -hmm. what typically people think of it as. So a traditional perspective on education is that learning happens when you're sitting quietly at a desk, you know, reading or doing your assignments. Yeah. No. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) children, I mean, think about your children. 
learning for us happens when we're outside investigating things in nature or when we're reading together on the couch and one of them is upside down and one of them is building with blocks, but they're all listening and we have great conversations and they're involved in what they're learning about. I'm not talking at them. We're learning together yeah. and they're active participants in what we're doing. And I think that makes all the difference because what has happened in educational situations where people are just trying to what pass a test, I guess, or fill in a, like, if you fill in more information, your child will be smarter. You just have to stuff it in there. I mean, Mm -hmm. it doesn't work. It doesn't work. And what happens is, um, children don't want to perpetuate that with their own children. So, okay. There's two homeschool families that I know of real life homeschool families. And one of them decided that they were going to make their learning time Every moment had to count. And so the mom was always looking for the very best curriculum to use. They they switched lots of times because when something new came out, she was worried, well, maybe this is better than what we're doing. We need to add this in. All right. the time was scheduled. So they're always doing the extracurricular things. Um, and it was about results. I mean, really, yeah. when you're when you're doing it that way, it's about a result. You're trying to perform and create these little smart, I don't know, Christian soldiers. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so this other family decided that they were going to make it about learning together, enjoying it. Um, it was going to be a journey that they went on as a family. So it it was messy sometimes. And, you know, they, they tried to make sure that the heart was at the center of what they were doing. So it was a more gentle approach because if you're trying to educate that way, you can't just be a taskmaster. Yeah. So it's a more gentle approach and and everybody is the priorities are faith, family, academics. Yeah. Right? So if you mix up those priorities, then kids get left behind. And so the result here is that the first family who really focused on achievement, none of the children who have graduated and have kids of their own have decided to homeschool. Yeah. Because why would they? They didn't receive any kind of special situation. They just did school at home. Yeah. And my parents are now the ones forcing me to do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the other family who really focused on, hey, we'll play games together. That's how we'll learn. We'll go outside. That's how we'll learn. We'll read together as a family. All of the children who have children of their own now are homeschooling their kids. And they're choosing to live close by to their parents, which yeah. I think is wonderful. So you have the result here that these these kids who grew up in a loving environment where, okay, school is important, but it's not the most important thing. You're the most important thing. Our relationship is the most important thing. Knowing God is the most important thing. All of that, um, it comes through our daily decisions. So if we're seeing school through that lens, we're going to do it differently. Totally. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's a... You know, what you're talking about here, this heart-centered thing, it centers on, you know, that where you talked about this, you know, God, family, then academics. And and I think that I would probably even address that in a slightly, you know, adjusted way. And that is simply like God, family, and life mm-hmm. growth. You know, people right. say to us like, like, oh, you know, you, you homeschool. So you're taking the summer off. I'm like, shh, don't tell. <laughs> There's not a summer break. It's called life, right? It's like. They're just learning and growing and developing and becoming. And it's just, it's like, well, what does God need me to do and want me to do now? And let's just let's go and explore it and figure it out. Right. Yeah. And and it's not this like, oh, you know, look, you're a failure. Five, we're sitting at right. a desk doing math and homeschool. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's not how we do it. We definitely don't. <laughs> no, we yeah, no. no. Um, so I love that love, you know instilling that love in them. And you said something else I think is really important that we should not overlook. And that is these other, this, this, you know, family, we'll call them family B, your heart centered family, the family B, you know, you mentioned their children actually, not only do they want to homeschool, but they want to live around each other. And because of the relationship they built. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We have seen, so we have adult children now and a number of them have moved off, um, in, in our school. And, but, 
it's so amazing because even there, like we've got six, do we have six, of them? six of them. Yeah, we have six of them out there plus spouses, and they like, they 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 just swirl around each other. They are each <laughs> other's you know best friends and world, and um, they talk about you know when the time's right, they'll move back and they want to live closer. And just it's an it's amazing to see the love that they have for each other and. You know, Ashley, you're right. It's like we don't see that in other circumstances. Yeah. Um, it's not really on the level of learning topic, but another thing comes to my mind in terms of what you're talking about. And I don't want to go too dark, too far down this rabbit hole, but uh, about 20, what are we in? 23 years ago, um, I was the um, executive director for the Montana Republican Party. And so in that in that position, um, very conservative state um, at the time, extremely conservative. And uh, but at the time, it meant I did a lot of lobbying, and I met with a lot of uh, legislators, and I met with a lot of other lobbyists. And one day, I found myself in this meeting um, on this for school stuff, uh, state education stuff, uh, with the state superintendent and handful of other players. And and there was another group there, and they were talking about school curriculum and and what they wanted to instill into school curriculum and they had this very open aggressive agenda of what we now call the woke agenda it wasn't invented 23 years ago but it was like <laughs> you know we're going to sit them down and we're going to force these children to learn about sexuality and to learn about inappropriate marriages and gender confusion and um you know all kinds of stuff and, and I was in this meeting actually and I'm thinking I'm like I was like blown away. I'm like, what? And I was like, this will never happen. Like, are you crazy? You can't teach kindergartens about gender identity stuff and sexual behavior and pornography. It's like never. Uh, that, and I expressed my opposition here. I'm taking too long in this story, but I expressed my serious opposition. And the one guy looked over at me. He said, you know what? Your problem is you conservatives think you just have to do it all in one fell swoop. He says, we don't mind taking 20 or 30 years to do this. We'll get there. And I was like, and now we see they have. <laughs> so again, I don't want to go too far down that road, but, but um, there's an aspect of homeschooling and happy families that relates to, you know, solid mental health, living truth, following, you know, goodness. And as parents, when we bring our children into our home, we have this incredible, incredible blessing of surrounding their life with that. I mean, you starting the day off snuggling with your children. <laughs> crazy. Right. It's amazing. So, okay. What's really happening in the country and, you know, it's a fight over identity. They yeah. want the identity of our children to be confused, to not know who they are. I mean, yeah. they, when I say they, it's really, our ultimate enemy, right? Yes, that's <laughs> the right. The father of lies. And uh, so what we get to do is raise our kids and knowing who they are in Christ. Hey there, it's Margie. We hope you're enjoying this podcast. Yeah, I hope you know that you can go to thehappyfamilyclub.com and see many other interviews and get a whole bunch of other resources, materials, free things, paid things, all kinds of stuff. There's an entire membership there where you get exclusive access to all of our best tools and resources. Our mission is to bring you the world's best resources and insights from the world's best experts so that you can have a happier family and have more joy. So go check it out, thehappyfamilyclub.com. Now let's get back to the interview. Especially when we discipline, we need to talk about not just what did you, what was this behavior and, you know, let's not, this is not the right thing to do, but also that's not who you are. You know, who you are is in Christ. And the Bible says that we are the righteousness of God in Christ. Yes. So being able to establish that in my children and teach them about who God made them to be and that sometimes our behavior doesn't reflect the true nature of our identity, but it's not, that doesn't change who we are. Yeah. So it's, it's a little bit backwards. I think growing up, um, 
you know, in a church setting, my husband and I both had kind of more of an experience where the focus is really on the behavior. And if your behavior is this, that, and the other, um, you know, well, you're kind of thrown to the side, right? Well, okay. The truth is I want to raise my children to know that if we are born again in Christ, right? If we accept that free gift of the cross, then now I'm I'm in Christ and the fruit of his nature is going to come through me. Yes. And so we can focus on establishing that in their lives mm-hmm. and that when they get met with these questions of identity and different things, then they're going to go, oh, well, this is who I am. This yes. is yeah. who I am. That's yeah. not who I am. Right. And yeah. there's so much confusion out there that our kids are going to need to have a firm foundation and yeah. knowing who they are. Totally. And there is, it's, it's a hundred percent impossibility that they're going to get that. It was well-meaning. And I, I know some public school teachers. I love them. I think some of them are saints. They're trying hard to do good things in the environment where they're at, but they cannot teach what you just taught. You know, right. even most publics or uh, private schools cannot anchor that child. And the other thing is, is that they're not hardwired to their child to be able to teach that kind of truth. It's just, you know, it's just not there. So I love that. Um, it reminds me, uh, you know, Isaiah talks in a prophecy about Christ. He says, butter and honey shall he eat that he may know the good and eschew the evil. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what you're talking about. Like when we know the good, we know the truth about who we are and our children know their true identity as children of God and being in Christ, it changes everything for them. Well. well and they have the butter and honey. They have been surrounded with so much good that then when they see the evil, that it doesn't look appealing at all to them. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. So that's true. It's nice. Um, wow. I, I, I think we're, so, we're on track for this to be my favorite interview ever. Ashley, you're amazing. Um, I, it's so, so many great insights. So let's talk. Uh, um, there's one other thing about um, uh, uh, love of learning that I want to talk about. And, you know, you deal with a lot of homeschool families and moms and parents, probably at all different levels. And I wonder what your perspective is in terms of how that love of learning impacts their um, teenage behavior and then adult behavior and how that carries on into the future. What is that? You plant that love of learning in the child. What is that? What's the fruit of that? What does that look like down the road? Well, I think of especially um, my husband, he thinks he can figure out anything and he pretty much can. I mean, with with the information that's available on the Internet, you know, he he will fix something that broke in the car. He will try to um, I think he fixed our air conditioner one time. He just he figures it out because um, his dad would actually have him like take things apart. And so let's say an old printer broke, they would take it all completely apart and they would talk about how it worked and then they would put it, he would put it back together. And so there's this element of common sense in doing life together that happens with homeschooling that I think really prepares you to feel like, Hey, if I don't know how to do this, I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to learn. I'm going to try um, instead of this learned helplessness that we kind of get when we're just filling in blanks, yeah. which is a lot of times what school ends up being when yeah. you're focused on that result-driven perspective. You're just filling in blanks. You need to know the right answer, but you don't need to know anything else. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's not going to get you very far in this world. No. Um, so. So loving to learn enables you to keep learning whatever it is that you need for your future. Yeah, so powerful. Um, you made me think of two things. One is um, there's a, a book called The Talent Code. And, and he, you know, the premise of the book is, is that um, he poses the question. It's like, you know, are people just nor- born with natural talents or do we learn stuff? You know, what's that, what's that uh, thing? And then when do we stop learning stuff? And he does amazing research on the neuroscience behind this. And he's like, first of all, 
you never stop learning. Like as long as you're breathing, you have the ability to create what are called myelin sheaths and synaptic gaps and all that stuff that goes on in the neurology. And he says, and second of all, some people are predisposed to certain talents and gifts. Like, I don't think I'm ever going to be Michael Jordan, no matter how hard I practice, right? Because <laughs> I can't even dribble right now. So I got a long way to go. <laughs> but we are predisposed. And I think there are God-given gifts. I mean, the Bible tells us that we have, you know, all of us are given various gifts to bless other people. Okay, well, great. But in addition to that, we have the ability to learn and like your husband is like, he figured out the printer, he figured out the ACs, figuring out the car because he can learn. And this goes to one of my interesting thoughts on homeschooling, which is parents that say, I don't know if I can do it. Okay. When Margie and I first started homeschooling, it's like, we had to, we had to call order a cat. I mean, we're ancient. So we had to order catalogs, get something in the mail, flip through it. Think if there was like, you know, could we get something now? It's like, you have Google people. YouTube. I mean, uh, it's incredible. So the internet, endless store of information. Oh, <laughs> you can yeah. learn anything. Yeah. So, so yeah. not there. Um, That's right. It, it's really incredible. So I think that the, you know, having that ability to learn is really, really, really powerful. Second thing I thought it was uh, our daughter who's at college in Utah and um, she went and got a job. And she's barely, not even 18. She's, she's 17. She's yeah. 17. And she walks into this job. Now, remember, so our children are like your children, like we've, and like your husband's. Like we've taught them, you walk into a situation, you can figure stuff out, look around. Is there a problem? Be proactive. And so she approached this job in this way. First time she's had a, a real job. She's done a lot of stuff for the family company. But um, so she's now, she's now a, a retail manager. This is three months. Three months into two it. Two and a half, three months into it. She's a retail manager. She's tripled her pay. They're given all kinds of responsibilities. She's training all the regional managers on stuff. And, and, the, and the difference is that other people come in and they go, what's my job? Just do it. I'm in my box. Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, I'm not, there's no such thing as a box. <laughs> right? right? Yeah. What needs to be done? Where can I help? I, yeah. I think it's it's a whole different perspective because they grew up in this team atmosphere at home where everybody pitches in, um, you know, everybody is, is helping. And that alone is a whole different point of view, isn't it? Totally. So, so powerful. And I think that stems from the love of learning, which, and, and, and this identity thing you're talking about, you know, when we know that we're children of God, as Paul says, we're, you know, joint heirs with Christ. I mean, we get these brains. It's cool. Right. <laughs> and we can grow and learn and, and become, uh, you know, when you, when you have that perspective and plus the love of learning, it's like you, you, you turn into this dynamic, amazing human being who just runs around blessing other people's lives as opposed to just, I'm just walking through and blessing your own life as opposed yeah. to just walking through your emotions. Mm-hmm. That's true. And colleges now, um, you know, you brought up how people say, I don't know if I can do this thing. Am I smart enough? And so they wonder, too, when homeschool kids graduate, well, how do you get them into college? Oh, yeah. Which is such a silly question. So colleges are actually searching out for homeschoolers now because we've created such a great reputation of showing up to class and you know <laughs> being prepared and doing a good job. Um, so there really is not a fear there. That's a false fear. And yeah. one of the things that my mom always encouraged families, uh, she wrote a book called Gaining Confidence to Teach because yeah. she at that time, especially, you know, in the early 80s and everything, when this was so new and parents were really worried that they weren't going to be able to do a good enough job for their kids, she came out and said, listen, you know, faithful is he who calls you, who yep. also will bring it to pass. That was her life verse, First Thessalonians 5.24. <laughs> and that foundation is our foundation of homeschooling. It's not oh, you're going to make these super smart kids or, you know, everything is going to turn out perfectly. No, it's if God has called you to this role, then he's going to equip you and lead you. And you know what? You're going to have bumps in the road and you're not going to know what to do all the time. But I think he likes when we're in that position because 
his word says, my sheep know my voice. And so we get to hear from the Lord of what direction we need to go in for our kids and what curriculum to use and what rhythm to take up. So that's one of the biggest things that we get to do with our platform is to encourage families that, hey, you can do this and the Lord is leading you in the right path for your family. So you don't have to walk in fear because the fear thing is what really keeps us from doing what's best for our kids. Amen. That's That's right. right. Exactly. So let's talk about that for just a minute. And maybe we can talk about some, uh, I I, I probably got off on too many, you know, tangent, tangent, (laughs) you throw things, but let's talk about the logistics for just a moment. Um, what, what are some practical ways that parents can create this environment in their home? Number one, to set it up for homeschooling. Number two, to engender this love of learning and to teach true identity. What, what are some practical things that can be done there? Yeah, so um, I have to share that when we first started homeschooling, when my mom first you know, set everything up in our home, she did it like a classroom because that's what she knew. So we had little desks and we had the flag that we said the Pledge of Allegiance to. And um, that's what she knew. But over time, she realized that there's so much more that you can do because of the freedom you have and because your unique children need a unique education. And so um, your family rhythm is going to be something that you have to find and no one can say to you, oh, this is exactly how you need to do it. If if you're doing it exactly like someone else, that's the only time you know that you're you're wrong because <laughs> God made all of us unique. And so we need to find that right way of setting up our home as a home base of learning and life. So for us, you know, we kind of start the day off with um, getting outside, getting the wiggles out. Um, since my kids are still young, that's important. And mm-hmm. We realize now with research that kids are actually creating neural pathways when they're outside moving. Those big motor movements are helping them prepare them for reading. You don't realize it, and it's hard to see that, but that's really the reality of what's going on. So getting our kids outside is part of the learning process and that sensory development that they get to have with listening and feeling different textures um, and, you know, just enjoying creation. There's so many beautiful, wonderful things that are happening when we make that a big part of our life together. Um, So we always do that. And then we usually read uh, kind of a devotional and and then some, you know, some books that are kind of of the season or whatever we're working on at that time, we'll read together and have snacks and um, allow that to be an enjoyable moment. Because I think when you're enjoying the process together, that's what creates that lifetime learning um, mentality that we want our kids to have. And yeah. so beyond that, Um, We try to incorporate, you know, art and crafts and things that they can do with their hands and make and um, being creative, being imaginative is such a big part of developing our thought processes and discussion, talking with our kids about what they're learning is also really huge. Um, So my mom was a big proponent of Charlotte Mason's theories for education and also Dr. Ruth Beechick. And Dr. Beechick was an expert in education, but she, when homeschooling came along, she was like, oh my gosh, this is what's best for children. So even though she was an expert in education, she could see the value and the benefit of actually kids being in a relaxed environment where they're not being pressured, but they can be who they are and learn together with someone who loves them. She was like, it's a no brainer. Of course, that's the best situation for kids to learn. Um, So if, if you've never heard of Dr. Ruth Beechick or anyone listening, she's a wonderful resource. She's written um, lots of different books on homeschooling. One of them is called you can teach your child successfully Mm -hmm. and it's fantastic. And she really uh, wrote about just kind of those common sense things, simplifying learning so that we're not thinking it's this overcomplicated 
you know, something that only experts can understand. Um, so I would highly recommend, you know, that and also Charlotte Mason has a really, a really great approach to learning. And she, she talks a lot about nature. She talks a lot about, um, the different things that make language learning natural, like narration, copy work, these, these different tools that homeschoolers can use to make learning happen in a more natural way. Mm -hmm. Powerful. Cool. Okay. I'm going to look up resources, make sure we post stuff free to them. Um, mm -hmm. Cause I actually am not familiar with either of those. Uh, Charlotte Mason, I've, I've looked into hers. Yeah. Margie of course is familiar with all these because she's, <laughs> <laughs> no, and, I, and, I, and i'm yeah, and, I, and i'm going to learn and they become familiar with those things things babe <laughs> um so uh are running out of time yeah i want to i want to talk about two other things really quick so one thing that comes up actually three things if we can address three things really fast in terms of practical sense one is we've addressed on it a little bit but just the the legitimate um stress so not necessarily the fear can i do it but the stress and strain because there there is um you know being home in each other's space you know it puts you way higher on the scale of man i gotta up my game as a parent i need to connect with these child it's so much it's so much different than just saying oh school teacher you guys take care of them for these eight hours so I, and i'm going to do something else so mm -hmm. i wonder if you have a thoughts in terms of just the parents ability or some best practices for managing that stress and the heightened um it's not i have a hard time saying it's pressure i say pressure because i think other parents might feel that way i've never felt that because i think that to me it's always been a gift that we get to be with the children but i think that some people coming into it might feel like oh there's heightened pressure here and increased stress you have any yes. you have any insights on how it, the parents can manage that well, I think one of the first things that needs to happen is the relational aspect between you and your kids and your kids and each other. Mm. So if you're really creating a foundation of kind of mutual care between mm. each other, that helps immensely because I think a lot of times we can get zeroed in on, you know, those things like we want to accomplish something, right? Right. I mean, as humans, we just want to get things done. We have this list of things that we want to go through and get them done. And so when you're homeschooling, a lot of times you have to set your list aside. You have to pivot mm -hmm. because kids are kids and they're not going to just follow along with your schedule on a lot of occasions. Now, I have younger kids, so maybe as they get older, they get better at that. Um, but I think we have to be willing to set aside our list in order to handle the character things that are happening and helping our kids function well together as a family. Mm -hmm. And then a lot of times that pressure or chaos or the fighting and things like that, that can really create the stress in the home that handles itself. So if we're looking at it with those priorities intact, that this is not just about school, this is about us learning how to do this life together as a family. We've got food that needs to be made. We need to make sure that our environment we're working in isn't a total mess. We need to um, yep. find rhythms, right? For Because when your kids are home all day, there's a lot of times that we need to, okay, we need to clean up again. Or before we get that next thing out, we need to pick this up, right? Yep. So there's just this, and it it happens as you go. Nobody knows exactly what to do all the time. Yep. So that alone really removes the pressure. It's not all on our shoulders to figure this thing out. We have the Lord to help us. And as we keep taking those steps um, one day at a time, you know, he'll help us figure out what that looks like for our family. Yeah. And, and I think it's also important. So first of all, I love like this permission you're giving. It's like, we don't have to have it all figured out and we don't have to all stress and we can start with the relationship. So that, you know, what, what's the old expression? Nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. <laughs> okay, right? well, guess what? Applicable to parents, 411 <laughs> right there. Um, I think too that, um, so taking time to build the relationships is is fine. I think the other thing that I hear parents do is they feel like they're getting behind. 
he was like, oh, my, I, I don't know. If we don't, if we don't have the daily thing, we're going to get behind. They're not going to, they're not in their grade level. They're, you know, and, and they, they have this, this paradigm of what it is. And I just want to encourage parents to just set all that aside. Yeah. Um, first of all, there's no actual, like, you have to be to whatever level in life, right? It, okay. Um, it, and I'm always reminded, like, when you go to the doctor, you don't ask them when they graduated, what their grades, the GPA was. Like, <laughs> you just hope they have the skill set. That's that's all. You're like, can you, you just you have the skill set? That's what I'm concerned about. So there's no actual behind, in my opinion. I think the other thing that's important is recognizing that sometimes to slow down is to speed up. Um, and when we engender love of learning, like one of our children, um, we, we had two of our children express interest in learning piano. So there was a gal that we went to church with. She's like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll do piano lessons. And so we thought, oh, if two of them want to, then surely the third is going to want to, too. Wow. Guess what? No. The third did not want to. <laughs> he went to a couple lessons and came home and was like, I don't like it. And I didn't want to be the mom that was forcing them every day to do something they didn't want to do. So I said, no problem. You don't need to do that. Yeah. We focused on strengthening the relationship there. Well, fast forward. Five, six years. Yeah. There's his brother playing at church and all the girls are gathered around watching. They're teenagers you know, now. They're right? teenagers. And he's like, maybe I want to learn the piano now. And, you know, within a month, he had he had learned how to play hymns for church. Within one month, he taught himself to play the piano because he had the motivation. And it was right. just the latency. It was slow and, you know, the desire was a little slower. But when they have the desire to learn, they could learn things so fast. <laughs> Yeah. Exactly. If us pushing it on them and they're pushing back, I don't want to do this, you know? So. Yeah. Yes. And then you're damaging the relationship when you do that. And so if we're thinking relationship first, totally. then we wouldn't, we wouldn't want to do that with our kids. You know, we actually have growth spurts in um, our cognitive ability, just like we do in our physical ability. And so there are some years that kids move more slowly. They don't pick things up as quickly because they're in that kind of lull in between a growth spurt. Yeah. And then there are other years where things come fast and they catch up or whatever. Um, you know, not that they're behind, but just that, that you don't know what's coming for your child. You don't know when they're going to make those leaps and jumps. And so if you're in a lull moment, well, then we need to really believe in faith that if we're doing what that child needs right now, we're doing the right thing. You can't yeah. force your child to learn how to walk, right? right? They do it in their own timing. We're developmental beings. That's how we were made. So with my learning challenges, my parents had to kind of rest in that God made me and at the right time, things would start to click and happen. And and they did. Um, yeah. And And it doesn't always look like that. Sometimes these challenges take longer, but the the reality is, if we're resting and finding our peace in that God made this child, and if what I'm doing is meeting them where they're at right now and what they're capable of, yeah, then we're doing the right thing. And no one can move me from that place, right? Yeah. That's the kind of boldness we really should have to totally. fight for our kids and what they're capable of right now. So my mom, um, when we were little, we would go to these like um, book it you know, gatherings. It was like our homeschool co-op. And so you get together and share about a book that you had read and then you get this pizza coupon, right? So it was a lot of fun. But I just didn't have the confidence at that age. I'm a shy young girl, you know, learning challenges and all that. And so I just couldn't get out in front of everyone and do it. And my mom said, well, what if I stood next to you and hold the book and you talk about it? Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I can do that. Yeah. So she did. And to me, that's the hallmark of homeschooling right there is yeah. having a heart for your child, not being embarrassed if they need you to do something for them that maybe is slightly uncomfortable and other kids' parents don't need that. But I did. And she yeah. stood next to me. And soon enough, you know, I don't know if it was the next time or a couple times later, I didn't need her to stand next to me. And I, I had the confidence to do it myself. But I just think. 
that example of her being willing to do what I needed and to help me slowly move into the the place of confidence, mm-hmm. right? That's that's so vitally important for our children that we meet them where they need us. Yes. And the fact that she did that is is why I am where I am today. Um, so that's always something that we have to keep in mind is, you know, what do my children need? Am I adding too much because of my own insecurities? Because I want them to look a certain way. There you go. Um, yeah. So as homeschoolers, we get to have the freedom to do it a different way. Yeah. So I, agree with that. Mm-hmm. So agree with it. And I would say, um, I would say to any parent that has that comparative, uh, you know, is looking around and and making comparisons like, oh, their child's more ahead or I'm not giving enough or wow, our, our children don't do band and soccer and football and, you know, the, the all the curriculum is like, I must be a terrible parent. I, I want to just encourage you to just like step back for just a second. Let's go back to this identity thing that Ashley was talking about just a minute ago and recognize, oh, guess what? You are a son or daughter of God. He loves you and he loves your children. And like, this is not a comparative race, right? I I guarantee you when we get up to heaven, God's not going to be like, did you, were you on the soccer team? Because if you're not on the soccer team, you can't come in. I just (laughs) want to make sure that's clear, right? Like, I just don't think it's like, oh, you don't know how to play piano? What's wrong with you? Like, sorry, you can't come in. I just don't, I don't think that conversation is going to be part of, you know, the interaction there. And so what matters really most is the love, the connection, the true identity, the relationship and the relationship and, and helping our children to see that. But when we, when we as parents are anchored in that, I think that it gives us so much freedom to allow our children to, to do that. Right. We drop the comparisons. It's so powerful. Right. It's like, Oh, well, who cares if, who cares what the Joneses think or what they're doing? They're doing what's best, what they think is best for their child. I'm going to do what's best for our child based on what I think God wants. That We're all happy. It's fine. Right? Yeah. And so. me, you know, as um, a child, even comparing myself to my best friend, she right. was very academic and she could um, read a book a day. And, you know, she actually played the piano and so did I, but she played it a lot better than I did. <laughs> and... I just remember my mom really helping me see, you know what, but God made you with this creativity and God made you with this. And, you know, he, yes, he made her with those gifts and talents and those are wonderful too, but he made you with these, you know, so instilling that into our kids, giving them the understanding of the unique things that God has placed in them for their future. Yeah. That staves off that whole comparison trap, doesn't it? So, so powerfully, so powerfully. I know we had one of our, I tell too many stories, but we're, we're going to have to do another interview, Ashley. So, um, <laughs> I'm up for it. <laughs> uh, um, you know, one of our daughters really, number one, she had uh, reading disability. Number two, she struggled with eyesight, like, she needed glasses. We took her to a couple of times. She's like, oh, they're fine. Come to find out. No, she wasn't fine. So she was having a hard time reading. And so she was a lot older. Like she was struggling reading eight, nine, 10 years old. Um, and we just never made a thing about it. It was like, okay. It's fine. Like, not that, not that we were totally complicit about it. It was just like, like oh, well, different stage. God created you different. Mm-hmm. But something really powerful happened in that, and that is her ability to have empathy and understand human beings like other children of God off the charts, right? Yeah. So now she's a ferocious reader. She just consumes books like crazy, <laughs> and she understands human nature and individuals at a really deep, powerful way. And we're like, oh, I am willing to, I mean, already we've seen the way that's blessed her life, but I'm willing to bet as she gets older, like think about what a gift that is from God that she was able to focus on that that learning, people learning at such a young at age. such a young age, and and that she didn't have to be in an environment where she was in special ed class. There was no labels. People weren't shoving stuff down her throat, telling her what a terrible person she was because you're supposed to read when you're in kindergarten, not when you're in fourth grade, right? It's like <laughs> none of that stuff. 
Um, so, so at any rate, um, God gives us weaknesses yeah. to allow us to develop other strengths. Yeah. Okay. Can I ask well, one other question and then we better jump? Oh, go ahead, please. Oh, I'm sorry. I was just going to say that those things that come up that seem like mountains for our kids actually end up creating the character of what God wants them to become. And we don't want our kids to struggle. We don't want to see them go through that. But I know for me, I can relate because I had to have an extra amount of determination to do something because it was going to take me longer than it was going to take someone else. And so that determination was built because of that challenge. And if we can realize that in our own families, in our own children, in our own selves, that these challenges, these things that we have to overcome are really for God's glory. Yes. Yeah, totally. So great. All right. Well, we don't have a lot of time. Can I ask just one more thing? Because it's it's always the elephant in the room with, it used to be, I got to say it used to be, it isn't as much anymore. In fact, it's the opposite now, but the social thing, right? It's like, oh, you, you homeschool your kids. Like, aren't you worried about their social development? I'd love to hear your insight on that, Ashley. So, well, as you might imagine, I've been asked that many times over my life. And yeah. so when people would ask me about that because they found out I was homeschooled, I would say, well, do I seem that strange to you? <laughs> yep. And they'd be like, no. And I'm like, well, there's your answer. There it is, right. (laughs) Uh, I mean, the fact that people think that socialization happens in a group of your peers while you're supposed to be learning. Does that sound right? (laughs) So to me, that that is just the biggest myth out there about homeschooling. I meet homeschooled kids all the time who are so socially aware. They care about the kids around them and and various ages. You know, right. a lot of times kids don't know how to how to act around younger or older kids. But homeschoolers often it doesn't matter the ages; they'll all play together. So to me, I think homeschooling prepares us in such a wonderful way um, to be socially aware. Totally, and I, I agree with that hundred percent. Margie and I. Uh, especially since COVID, for whatever reason, there is a shift in people's thinking a little bit. But uh, we've heard over the last couple of years, people, like especially adults, will talk to our children. And then they'll say either to the child or to us, like, you know, are you homeschooled? Yeah. I could tell because you can interact so well with adults and you have such mm-hmm. good communication skills. It's like, wow, that's <laughs> yep. it. Now, that's the change from 20 years ago, right? Yeah. So Yes. <laughs> anyway, and and I think it's true because you learn how to be aware of other people. You learn about you know all kinds of compassion things, and the age thing is a really big deal. It's like you're not pigeonholed into this group of people who think that their whole world is. Are you wearing the right logo on your shirt? You know, are you going to the right party? Are you friends with this person or not? Like, what's your status symbol inside this environment, the school environment? When you get outside of that, it's like, oh, we're human beings and we get to interact with each other. Shocking. (laughs) So cool. All right. Well, we better wrap up. (laughs) Uh, Actually, so many good insights. I just, Margie and I, we just love your, the truth and the wisdom that you're sharing. We love what you're doing. As parents listening to this, what's the best way for them to get deeper into your world? I know you've got a magazine. Tell us a little bit about that or any other resources that we can point people to. Sure. Thank you so much. Um, So our magazine is called Homeschooling Today, and the website is just homeschoolingtoday.com. And our magazine is really meant to come alongside parents and encourage them to keep them going, to remind them of what matters the most. Hmm. So all of our columnists are handpicked because they're going to be genuine and authentic. They're going to share about the ups and downs, and they're going to always leave you feeling good instead of guilty. (laughs) They're not going to add to your plate. They're actually going to encourage you that God has called you to this and, you know, the different stories and ways that God has helped them through things will be a testimony to help other families as well. Uh, And then we also have Homeschool Boldly podcast. Mm-hmm. which is a very short podcast that comes out on Monday mornings. And it's just kind of like a jolt of encouragement for parents 
to get their mindset in the right place for the week ahead. Beautiful. And those podcasts are awesome. I listened to a dozen of them. It's just beautiful. Thank so, you. Yeah, very, very cool. You do a great job on that. So, so homeschooledtoday.com, go check it out. It's, I, I think, homeschooling. homeschooling today, excuse me. Yeah. Thank um, you. Thanks for correction. See, Margie's, she's always keeping me like, <laughs> um, I think that the biggest thing here is, is that, um, you know, we we are in a time and space where the the world the world and the adversary to all goodness is going crazy, and we need to. I think that there's an opportunity for us to push back, especially with our children. And maybe push back's the wrong term. Maybe lift up is the better term. And uh, and you know, deciding that you're going to partner with God to raise these children to educate them to teach them to equip them to empower them to help them put on the armor of god in this crazy world we live in i think is exactly what homeschooling is about and uh, and you might feel like it's a big sacrifice at first but it's it's actually not you know the the, the effort that you put in now will be multiplied a thousand times over in the future in the goodness and the strength of character and the power that you and your children and your family have. It's just, I think there's so much there. So anyway, Ashley, thank you very much for your time today. Thank you for your wisdom. We just so appreciate it. It's been wonderful. It's been great. Yeah. Thank you for having me. All right. Yeah. Well, let's do it again. This was fun. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Take care and God bless you. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye.